Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, and we are at Shields Archery University while we're filming here. So this is a place where we bring all of our associates in, and we've got a bunch of different vendors, and we're going to do all kinds of training on everything archery, from building your boat, a proper form, to learning about components, learning about equipment. And uh, today we've got Tyson Yates with Easton Archery. Tyson, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. This is uh, an awesome experience. I mean, I've been doing this university, I think this is year number six, and it truthfully is one of my favorite weeks of travel of the year. So I'm excited to be here. All right. Yeah. Great to have you. And this is, this is my second year of Archery University. So I got, I dipped my feet into it last year. So it's just, it was, it was definitely overwhelming. There's just so much going on, so much learning, but at the same time, it is super fun. Well, and I think it's, it's really telling, you know, you go to a Shields store and the people there are so knowledgeable. The store associates are my, my old boss would tell the story of he went in to buy a headlamp and a store associate talked to him for 30 minutes about headlamps. And, uh, you know, he was able to buy one he was happy with. So I think it's a big part of the Shields model and why your your staff is so knowledgeable is the the time and effort put into these trainings for your associates. So it's it's, it's a great week for that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I mean, the more knowledge you have, the more hands-on training, the better you're going to be at, you know, getting that person that walks into the store into the, into the right piece of equipment, whether it be a headlamp or a bow or arrows or, you know, whatever. For sure. And, and I mean, we kind of talked about this uh, 15 or 20 minutes ago, but it's that piece of, of with any sport, if you can be confident in what you're doing. And I think confidence starts with some level of knowledge. So the guy behind the counter at Shields is, views and, is viewed as an expert. And if I leave that store feeling confident in my new fishing pole or in my new archery setup, arrow setup, whatever it may be, I'm probably going to do better at whatever I'm doing because I'm not going to be in my own head, you know. So in my mind, that training piece does a big a, a big benefit for the customer of Shields as well. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, I mean, we're we're here for training. So, how did you how did you get into archery? How did you get into hunting? And what what got you here? Well, I mean, I guess how long do you have, right? I <laughs> I could go on on that for a bit, but I, I got into bow hunting. Um, my brother, we kind of grew up. I guess my dad bow hunted as a kid and in college, and then once he had kids, he started being more of a rifle hunter. Uh, it's something me and my brother could still go out and do with him. And then I think it was for my brother's birthday, he got a bow, and my birthday is three months after his, and I got a bow then too. So I think it was probably, I was probably 13 at the time, and, um, you know, the the beginnings were interesting. It's like I, I was that guy that went to a pro shop, and they they, they got me in a bow and, you know, got me an arrow set up. I had no idea what anything was, you know. I just, he showed me how to shoot it. I didn't know what tuning was. I didn't know what the right, you know, how to choose the right arrow. I didn't know anything. But we went out right out of the gate and, you know, we started shooting stuff. And, and I, I grew up in Utah, still live in Utah. So we were hunting deer, mule deer and elk. And, you know, for, for not knowing what we were doing, we did pretty good, you know. Um so it was kind of more of a simple beginning, um, and, and it was, I guess, it's been about six years now that I've been at Easton, so uh, there's been a lot of change probably in my approach to hunting or my approach to archery since I've learned a few things, rather than just pull the string back and, you know, punch the trigger and <laughs> hopefully hit at what you're shooting at, right? Yeah, I imagine you pick up on a few things working at Easton. 
Oh, no, for sure. For sure. And I mean, I guess that that first week at, at, at Easton was kind of interesting. So I I show up and, you know, one of my coworkers, he's he's uh, in the engineering department. He's a great, you know, great boat technician. And, you know, he said, let me see your bow. And he pulls it back. This thing's so far off time. Like, how, how long have you been shooting this? I'm like, I don't know. I bought it used off, you know, off this just classified ad site. I'm like, I bought it probably three or four years ago. Have you ever had it tuned? No. <laughs> did, you, did you get the draw length set up for you? I'm like, no, I just bought it and started shooting it, right? The draw length was wrong. Everything was wrong. But I killed stuff with it every year. You know, I was killing deer. I was killing elk. And, and I shot it pretty well. So he, oh, I'll take care of you, you know, and he goes in the back room and he starts tuning it and I'm back there with him and he's timing it and paper tuning it and all these things. And, and then he looks in my quiver and he's like, you got three different arrows in here. Which one do you hunt with? <laughs> I don't know, whatever one I grab, you know, I'll just shoot any of them. And, um, you know, he, he didn't mean to, but I mean, by the end of it, I felt I had no confidence in anything. I'm like, I, you know, my, he's telling me how old my bow is and it's, you know, this older technology and the newer stuff so much better. And after him tuning and setting up my bow and getting me the right arrow and all of these things, I went out and shot and I couldn't shoot to save my life. I was like, I was like, I usually can hit, you know, 60 yards, no problem, 50 yards, no problem. You know, I could hit a, a volleyball at least, you know, on a bad mm -hmm. shot. And I couldn't hit, I couldn't slap my butt with either hand with that butt. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was bad. And so, you know, I, I guess what it was is I was, my confidence was rattled, right? Mm -hmm. My bow's old, he told me, and it was out of time. And so when I would make a bad shot, now I was like, well, it was probably, probably off timing. Uh, you probably need to adjust my sight. Like all of these, excuse me, not my sight, my rest, all of these things he'd taught me about, I just assumed that the bad shot was something to do with my equipment, you know, because I, I didn't even know it was a possibility to have that be a factor beforehand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was kind of an interesting, it probably took me a year, a year and a half to kind of get over that and just, I say go back to my roots, but, you know, don't be alarmed, Mike. I, I have the same arrows <laughs> in my quiver now, the same weighted points. But I kind of went back to like maybe a little bit more simplistic approach. Just take the shot. Don't worry about the bow. Don't worry about your setup in just trying to have more confidence in what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to, well, a lot of things, but especially archery, like confidence is your number one factor, you know, like you, you go back to that initial setup and, you know, when you think about it, like if, if you start getting really confident, you know, if you shoot, you know, a slightly different, two different arrows that have slightly different spine or a hundred versus 125 grain field point, you know, at 30 yards, you know, if you shoot a 125 versus a 100, identically, I mean, you're only going to have like a half inch difference. So like you said, you're going to be hitting that volleyball at 60 yards. But if you have all of that completely in your head, you're like, what if, you know, what if I'm not pulling back? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. What if I don't have the proper form? Like that's going to make a way bigger difference than 25 grains of field point. Oh, oh, it, it's all the difference in the world. Right. But that that's kind of one of the funny things in archery now is, you know, if I'm talking to somebody that calls in and, you know, or, uh, you know, if it's customer service line and it's busy, I'll still pick up the phone. You know, if it rings four or five times, it gets to my desk and it's, it's almost, it's funny or with my friends, right? It's funny because it couldn't have possibly been you that made the bad shot. 
Mm-hmm. It's always easier to blame <laughs> your equipment. Oh, yeah. Well, the rest <laughs> probably didn't get out of the way fast enough or this, you know, and it's like I always wanted to tell my friends, like, you, you probably missed that deer because you made a bad shot. <laughs> you know, like it, it probably wasn't that the bow was out of time or whatever it may be. But I think it's the default, you know, you always want to try to point at the equipment and in my mind in archery, it's what's happening between your own two ears. If you're confident about what you're doing, if you're confident about the bow you have, the arrow you shoot, um, you know, the rest you use, whatever it is, I think you're going to be just fine. But as soon as that confidence starts to get rattled and somebody questions, well, you know, you have an old bow, could be that old bow. And granted, look, these new bows are phenomenal. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They, they don't make a bad bow nowadays. No. I mean, you pull any of them back, and I'm just baffled, you know, to where it was, especially, I don't know, you've been doing this a while, too. My Eight or ten years ago, like, yeah, I could still hit more or less what I was shooting at, but the shooting experience on these newer bows is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know, Native Americans were killing stuff with sticks, and and what did they make the string out of sinew? I don't even know, you know, and and they were still making it happen. So, you know, that's kind of my point to people all the time. It's, it's like, careful what you blame, because there was people not too long ago doing it with a, a stick and a string um, that they made out of a, you know, with a pocket knife, essentially. So mm-hmm. absolutely. So, you know, kind of going back to that, to that break in confidence, how did you get it back? You know, it's an interesting, um, you know, I, I, I guess I really just started thinking about it because a season went by and it was the first year in several years that I didn't shoot a deer or elk. And I think I missed twice and, you know, I'm going to my mind of why I missed. And it was uh, on one, it was a pretty steep angle down, uh, downhill. I was at the top of this canyon shooting pretty steep and I shot just over this, uh, it was a five point bowl. And I just started thinking about what I could blame and I had a story for every animal I missed and what happened, right? One, you know, well, I'm pretty sure I hit some brush. And the other one, I caught an updraft, you know, was what I made up in my head, shooting downhill, and it must have caught a draft and went over his back. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know, this stuff didn't used to happen to me. I mean, I missed. I've missed before. But I, I just kind of started thinking, I'm overthinking this whole game. I think I changed arrow setups one year that year four times. I'm like, I'm overthinking this. I used to kill stuff with three different arrows in my quiver. So I just kind of just stopped drinking all of the Kool-Aid. And I guess that's a tough thing to say because, you know, we obviously have our marketing that we're we're promoting, you know, new arrows or new technology. But when you're out there, whether you're listening to a podcast or on someone's social media, you're going to hear everything from you need to shoot a super light arrow and shoot it fast to you need to shoot a log. Mm -hmm. And... You can only choose one of those two. So whatever, I guess I just decided whatever I'm going to choose, I'm going to believe in. And when people tell me, whether it's one of our engineers, oh, your arrow's too light or your arrow's too heavy, I'm just not going to listen to them. You know, I'm going to kind of listen to everybody and figure out what works for me. Okay, this guy's saying I need this heavy of an arrow. This guy's saying I need this. I kind of like this approach a little better. It matches my hunting style a little more. And I think I just started to kind of get my own identity of what I felt like worked for me. 
and then just ignored the noise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. You know, you, you gather as much information as you can and and weigh all the options. And then at the end of the day, you just choose one that's that's best for your setup and that you can feel you can build confidence in. Well, and I, I think I think you're spot on with that. And anytime I'm talking to, to someone and they say, what arrow setup should I should I shoot? You know, I start with what's your style of hunting? Your tree, I'm tree stand hunting, you know. Okay, how far do you shoot? Uh, no further than 30 yards. Okay, do you like to target shoot at long range? Is that is that fun? You know, do you shoot 3D courses with long shots? Yeah, I like to do tack events, you know, and I like shooting those 100-yard shots for fun. Okay, do you want to have just one arrow set up for both, or do you want to go back and forth? And you kind of start asking some of these qualifying questions, and you can kind of start to see what this person's style of hunting or style of archery is. And if they want to have one setup so they're not jumping around, I'm going to have them stick on the lighter side to like a midweight size mm-hmm. side on, on as far as an arrow setup goes. So they can still maintain some of that speed. Now, if they're a really techie person and they want to switch back and forth, I'm going to say, okay, well, let's go with a heavier setup for those 20, 30 yard tree stand shots. And, you know, when you're going to attack event, you're going to, you know, switch setups. Let's get you something lighter that can shoot a little further. Um, and, and I think the mistake that I see a lot, um, you know, whether it's at retail with, with, uh, you know, different associates, they're trying to inflect their style onto you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, okay, Mike, this is what you need to shoot. You need to shoot a lightweight arrow because you want to shoot flat and far. Well, what if that's not your hunting style? What if you're used to a little bit heavier arrow? Now, now your experience is going to be completely altered. And when I look back at what I did, that's what I did to, to lose my own confidence is whatever somebody told me, you know, somebody told me I needed a heavy arrow. Okay. I'm going to go switch everything over to a heavy arrow. The next guy tells me I need light and I just missed a deer last week. I better go light. (laughs) And then you end up jumping all over the place where to me, the best question to ask somebody for, for what arrow setup they should, they should be into is understanding what type of archer they are. Yep. That makes a ton of sense. And, you know, you going back to that example in the store, like that associate might have just the most dialed perfect setup for them, but it's not necessarily the setup that's best for the customer. And that, and you know, that's the person that's going to be shooting it every day. For sure. For sure. And I think that's the temptation though, is you want everybody to do what you've done, I guess. And your style is going to be different than mine. Um, you know, Western hunters typically are shooting a little bit further, especially on elk. Um, you know, in my opinion, you probably don't want a super light arrow, but you probably don't want a super, super heavy one either. Mm-hmm. Now, that's my opinion. But before I give you that, I'm going to make sure I understand where you're at because the biggest mistake that I can make is to tell you that what you've been doing is wrong. Because, I, I mean, I don't know you super well, Mike, but I assume you've killed some animals and you've shot some stuff with a bow. I've, I've got one or two animals under my belt. There you go. So who am I to jump in and say, you've, you're doing it wrong. You need to completely change your setup. You need to do X, Y, or Z. To me, it's just all that's going to do is leave you questioning what you're doing because you probably think I'm, I know something about arrows. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd imagine you know a thing or two working at Easton for six years now. I, I mean, I do. But again, I don't know you and I don't know Mm -hmm. your style of hunting and you found success doing something that works for you. And I think that's the biggest mistake that I could make is you to say, what arrow should I shoot Tyson? And I, 
you should shoot this one and this and this is this is how you should set it up and you know put 300 grains up front or whatever crazy thing I'm about to tell you because what what if in you know I don't know what month we're in how long's hunting season three we or four are in months June away? now as June. we're filming this so what we've got three months four months yeah, about three months so in three months when you draw back on the whitetail of a lifetime or you go on an elk hunt you're drawing back on this massive bull elk and you're just, you know, you put your your release on the D-loop, you're just drawing the bow back, and you think back to, you're in that moment, and you think, oh, Tyson Easton told me I needed a heavy arrow. Now, all of a sudden, you have no confidence in your shot. You have no confidence in your setup. And to me, that that's, it's not fair or right of someone to do that. You know, I mean, there's people out there that know more than I do, and maybe, you know, think, no, you got to, you got to do this one thing, but people have found success in different ways. So what I would, like I, like I said, I would find out how you've hunted in the past and then try to steer you along the lines of, okay, due to your hunting style, this arrow is the best fit for you. Okay. So I want, I want to put this to a little bit of a test now. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you my hunting style, All right. what I do and I want you to give me an arrow recommendation. And then I want to do some rapid fire stuff like, I'm this sort of person that hunts this. What is your arrow recommendation? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So I'm going to do me personally first. So 29-inch draw length. I spend a majority hunting whitetail. I'll go out every once in a while to the Badlands, hunt mule deer. So I want to be able to do long range. Most of my time spending in a tree, but like I like to do the spot and stock. I'm in a blind once in a while, especially when I'm turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. What do you got for me? Do you like to change setups from like one? I want, I want one setup that'll do it all. And I might go elk hunting every once in a while too. Yep. So I would steer you towards an Axis 5 millimeter. Okay. And why is that? I think it's the best do-all arrow. You're kind of in between. It's 5 millimeter shaft. Micro diameter is 4. Standard diameter is 6.5. So you're on the smaller side of diameter. It's going to eliminate a lot of your issues with wind drift. And it'll give you the most the best increased penetration um, for for the diameter. And you're going to shoot flat, but it's also kind of that mid-weight arrow. It's not on the heavy side. It's not on the light side. It's right in the middle. So I feel like for your closer whitetail stuff, you're going to do really, really well on it. And to jump out to mule deer country and shoot 60, 70 yards isn't going to be an issue either. Okay, nice. I like it. Okay, second person. Uh my boyfriend loves bow hunting and <laughs> I want to spend time with him because he's always in the woods in the fall. Mm-hmm. What should I get? So you're going to go hunt with him. Yep. This is, I'm going to hunt with him. Whitetail. You just want to hunt whitetail. You're going to sit in a tree stand with him and, and just, just shoot just with him. Just whitetail hunting. Yep. I would steer you towards the FMJ, probably an FMJ five millimeter. I think getting a little extra weight on a light draw shooter, you know, shooting 50 pounds or, you know, probably a 27-inch, 26-inch draw, you want something with a little bit more punch. And if you're just shooting at 30 yards, you, you know, the difference in 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 drop from, from that to a really lightweight arrow is going to be minimal. But it's going to have a lot more weight, a lot more kinetic energy, a lot more drive, as well as... If you've shot FMJs in the past, Mike, they pull from a target really, really well. 
And I think for like my dad, you know, that's one of the things he hates about shooting. He hates wrestling his arrow from the target. Mm -hmm. And so I'm making some assumptions that for you to enjoy archery more as you get into it, having an FMJ that pulls from the target smoothly is going to maybe increase the amount of time that you and your boyfriend are shooting together. Yeah. I, I personally shoot FMJs right now, and I can confirm that. They they come out of the target pretty easy. They shoot really nice. Well, I always tell people, too, you know, shoot a, shoot an FMJ next to an all-carbon arrow and shoot it out of your mm-hmm. same, you know, the same bow at 20 yards and see which one shoots or sinks deeper into the target. And typically, two to five inches deeper into a foam target is what the FMJ is going to drive. So, you know, it makes a difference. That slick exterior coating in a hunting situation or, you know, just shooting target it makes a difference on, uh, you know, two holes is better than one on an animal. So yes, absolutely. So I mean, I, I guess that's a little, a little exercise, and I, I like the questions. There is, in a lot of ways, no right or wrong to that, right? I mean, I could, you could be listening to this and say, oh no, you should have recommended X arrow for for so and so. So again, you know, I think there's a lot of a lot of areas you can land. But as far as like an off-the-cuff reaction, I, I still stand behind it. So I'll take the hate mail if I get any. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, next person. Uh, love Total Archery Challenge, Big Elk Hunter. What do you got for me? You want to shoot long distance at elk? You want to be able to shoot long distance at Total Archery Challenge? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to go light right at this point. So uh, I, I say it would come down to your budget. Um, going, we, we have a brand new arrow this year. It's called the Sonic six millimeter. It's phenomenal. It's lightweight factory helical fletch. It's going to be, it's going to fly awesome at long range and it's, it's quite lightweight as well. So, and it's also affordable. So if you've been to a total archery challenge, you see the arrows that stack up and you're going to want to bring more than six arrows when you go there. (laughs) And if you lose some or break some, you, you might not lose sleep over it if it's a a sonic six millimeter. So I would put you in one of three based off your, your appetite to spend. I right now shoot pro comps. It was designed to be a target arrow. It's a, a aluminum, it's an AC construction. So if the listeners have, you know, might remember the ACC Hunter Pro, it's essentially a newer version of that with a little higher modulus carbon. So it's got an aluminum core and then a carbon exterior, extremely lightweight and extremely, extremely straight. Very lightweight, like I mentioned. Sonic 6mm, also lightweight, and the 4mm axis is an arrow I believe we've had out for about two years. And it's it's called the 4mm axis long range. Because it's so lightweight, it's also going to be a, a, a shooting lasers out to long distance. The big kicker between those three recommendations is the Procomp and the axis 4mm are both 4mm in diameter. So your wind drift at long distances... You know, if you've watched some of the Dudley podcasts of him shooting those long shots and calculating wind, you know, we've got a 12-mile-an-hour crosswind. You can see how much that affects that arrow travel. It's going to be, you know, the the difference in diameter from a 6-millimeter to a 4-millimeter, it's almost half. You know, it's a 40% reduction in diameter, so it's a 40% reduction in wind drift. So that's the other factor that you've got to think about now you're paying for that difference, right? So 
depending on your appetite to spend, I'd probably give you those three options. And and I landed on the pro comp um, because I know somebody who makes arrows, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you, you might have a hookup. So I'm that guy at Totally Archery Challenge shooting $300 a dozen arrows. But I don't know how many people. Well, actually, there's a lot more people like me, I think, than uh, than you realize when you go to these events and see the equipment people are shooting, there's there's definitely some really nice setups that people are taking out there. Oh, I believe that for sure. So, okay, next setup. I want to I want to bear hunt and I want to go to Africa. What do you got for me? Um, on something like that, you know, Africa will have certain limitations of or, or requirements for weight in certain in certain animals or in certain outfitters so you you're gonna have to go with something heavy um especially to africa with the the toughness of some of those hides um we make an arrow called the t64 um it's it's kind of a a a niche product due to the cost that's a quite heavy arrow that would be great for it we make an fmj five millimeter dangerous game and it's it's basically the same diameter, same product as our standard uh, FMJ, but it's extremely heavy. Um, I think it's like thirteen point five GPI or something like that. Um, or, you know, you could even do like the FMJ five, or excuse me, the FMJ four millimeter, which is also relatively heavy. Um, and and once you get into that game, that's where I start to understand or promote a little bit more of the foc game you know let's put a brass insert on it let's put maybe two brass inserts on it and go with like a a 200 spine and put you know 100 grain of insert up front and and 125 grain broadhead on it right that's that starts to be at least for me when that game starts to make a little bit more sense but again not to rattle anybody's confidence out there that's not how I hunt personally, but I know a lot of guys who do it and believe in that weight up front and really, you know, we'll get that 18, 20% FOC mm-hmm. for, for whitetail hunting or anything closer range. I haven't done it because I'm mostly a mule deer and elk hunter and, and I like a little bit more speed out of my setup and I've got short arms. So <laughs> I'm pulling 72 pounds and, and, uh, you know, 28 inch draw. It's not necessarily the ideal you know, I'm, I'm not a, a, a bow hunter's body dream. I wish I had 31 inch draw and I'd be, you know, probably a little bit different on my setup mm-hmm. um, as far as what I could get away with. Hey, you got to shoot what you got to work with. And, and that's that's the other thing, you know, is understanding the difference in draw length to 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 uh, from pull and, and pulling weight to speed. I mean, there's guys with 31 inch draws that are shooting 15 pounds less than me. And we're shooting about the same speed, you know. So draw weight is one factor of the equation. But that that longer draw length and just the power stroke that you get out of that that bow at that point, it makes a substantial difference. And But like you said, you kind of got what you got. So uh, I guess I have my parents to blame for my, my short arms. <laughs> Poor genetics. <laughs> okay, last one for you. I am Tyson Yates. What is my ultimate hunting setup? Oof, I, I think I admitted to this already, but I shoot pro comps. Um, you do for, for hunting and for shooting? Yeah, for hunting and for target. I I don't like to tinker, though I'm in the, the, the industry. 
I like to set my bow up. If I go to a total archery challenge, if I go to a, you know, any shoot, I'm not really shooting competitively. It'd be more just because I'm there and it's, it's fun to go shoot with a group. Um, I just don't want to be changing, you know, arrows all the time. So I've brought that set up to, to Texas and shot, you know, fallow deer and axis deer and, you know, it's performed just fine. I've killed, killed whitetail with that and it's performed great. And, uh, in the West, it's just, it's, it's ideal from the standpoint of, I want to be able to reach out there 60, 70 yards. And if I range an elk and he takes three or four steps by the time I, you know, if I'm knocking an arrow or if I'm looking down to take a couple of steps to scoot over to the right or to the left around a tree, and I didn't notice that he took two or three steps, I don't want to come back and say, oh, I ranged him at 62, you know, step around the tree, shoot and miss because he's at 67 now. Mm-hmm. So when you have a little bit more speed, I found that I can be pretty forgiving in that five five yard range plus or minus. And for me, and and the style of hunting that I do, which is all spot and stock, all on the ground, that that forgiveness prevents me from lifting my arm up and down and ranging something fifteen different times. I ranged it. He was at sixty two. I saw him take three steps away. He turned around and looked again. And I'm guessing he's at 65, you know, and I can shoot with confidence knowing uh, he might be a couple yards difference, but I don't need to be moving so much because that's what, that's what gives you away. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it just all comes right back to that confidence. I mean, I've probably said it a hundred times on here, but uh, it's, it's even a big part of my training this week with the Shields Associates is how do you instill confidence in an archer that comes in the door? When they, when they come in versus when they leave, you want them to leave with more confidence than when they came in. And, and I think you do that in a lot of ways by complimenting a guy's equipment. Hey, great bow choice. I love that new blah, blah, blah bow. Oh, that's an awesome arrow. You know, for us, I always, you know, it's an awesome arrow. It's the only arrow made in the USA. You know, usually you tell somebody that, oh, great, you know, and they, they leave with confidence. But I'll tell people too, if they, if they come in and they're shooting somebody else's arrow, compliment it. Hey, great arrow choice. I, that's going to shoot really well for you. Because at the end of the day, what, what's more important for me is that they have a good experience in archery. And at some point, hopefully our marketing or our message reaches that person and they do switch to shoot our products. But in the meantime, I'm not about to shame somebody for shooting a competitor product or, oh, you'll never kill anything with such and such arrow. I hate when I hear stuff like that. You know, it's... I always remind our sales team and our customer service team, we sell fun. We make a product that people are passionate about. Don't don't ruin it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't play the, oh, your Ford truck sucks. You know, Chevy's the worst truck ever. You know, you get that in the pickup truck world. Let's not do it in archery. You know, let's, let's, let's just all enjoy the sport that we love and we have a blessing to be able to do it for a living. You know, you and I were talking about it before we get to talk about bows and arrows and hunting every day for work. I don't want to mix it up with bashing a competitor's product or saying that it's the worst. You know yeah, what I mean? There's enough negativity out there. Let's, let's just stick to having fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Um, one last question for you. I'd like to hear your all-time favorite hunting story. Oof. My own, my own story, right? Well, you know, it can be one that you were a part of too. 
you know, it's it's that's a tough question. And you mentioned that you were going to ask me this. I should have thought about it, but there's two that comes to mind. I'm going to stick with the, it was a solo hunt. Um, you know what? I'll just stop you right now and say you can tell them both. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. I'm kind of long-winded. So by the time I'm done with the first one, you might be. Yeah, we, m- we might have another thing we need to do here. But okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll start with the first one then anyways. All right. So it, it was about four, I think it was four years ago. And um, I'd been hunting. It, it was in Idaho. I'd been hunting for elk for I think it was like the third week in the season. I'd been hunting hard. I really wanted to shoot a bull, and I'd had opportunities at several, you know, several cows, several spikes. But I wanted to shoot a, a, a nice bull, and um, I'd spent the day, the whole weekend. My dad couldn't go up, so I was by myself. And I'd, I'd spent the day before I hiked to the top of this mountain and hiked my butt off. And I get up in there and fought a bunch of brush. And I'm sitting up on this side hill where these elk had come to water. And just like they did the night before that I watched them, there's three bulls. They walked on the trail the night before 20 yards below me, and they're doing that same route again. I'm like, game over, right? They're walking up there. They get about 60 yards from me, and the wind, I feel wind at the back of my neck, and I'm like, oh, no. Wind hits the back of my neck, and then I felt it probably four or five, I don't know, 10 seconds later, switch back the other way, and I'm just sitting there praying that it didn't have long enough gust at my back to make it to him. The second I did that, that first bull stops, slams on the brakes, kind of lets out this you know, bark, if you've heard elk bark, turn around and ran. So I'm sitting there, exhausted, upset, and I look at mountain range, probably, I don't know, two or three miles to, the, to my south. I saw another herd of elk there, and I'm like, well, as soon as it gets dark, I'm going to walk down, I'll go hunt those elk tomorrow. So... Nothing else came out that night. I was hoping something else would come up to water. And the next morning, woke up early, hiked to the top of that that other mountain. And I get to the top, and I'm looking around. I can't see them. And I was hoping they would be coming up from water in the valley below me. And uh, kind of found myself a little pine tree, and it was just starting to get light. And I'm sitting behind this pine tree looking around, cow calling a little bit. And I, I cow called again, and I looked at the top of the—right when I looked up, I looked at the top of the mountain, and all I could see was an antler, like skylined. And then he ripped a bugle off and started just a full, steady march. And he's probably 200 yards away, and he was just beelining towards me. He's hiking down there, and he gets, or he's walking down to me, and he gets probably 40 yards away. And I, I you know, he stops, looks around, looks to his left, bugles, and I drew. And then he started walking again. There's a pine tree, probably. I don't know, eight inches, or excuse me, eight feet tall, about 14 yards from me. He walked right to that pine tree and started raking it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm at full draw, and he's raking this pine tree, and he's peeing everywhere, just all over his front legs, and he's bugling, and he's drooling, and his, I mean, he is upset. And at this point, I can't hardly hold, hold my bow back. I mean, I'm shaking because I'm excited. I'm shaking because I'm tired. I, mean, I could hardly look through the peep because I was just so amped up. And it was, you know, I mean, for most people, it's nothing to write home about. But it was it was a six-point bowl. You know, I was I was pretty jazzed in the moment. And I I don't know how long I held full draw, but we'll, we'll say it was for three minutes. It felt like it was. And he broke that tree in half. <laughs> and as soon as it broke off, he looked up, kind of saw me and looked up. And he was just straight looking at me and I, I buried it right in his neck. Arrow came out his groin 
I went all the way through me. I don't know what it is, four feet, you know, came out his groin, and he ran down the hill, and I watched him tip over. And, I mean, I was – there's a couple problems at that point. I'm about three miles from my truck. I'm by myself. <laughs> so I go down. I was able to get him in the shade, tag him, gut him. Um, and then I drove to town and, and called my dad. My nephew came up with him, and they helped me carry it. It was just an awesome, awesome, awesome experience. There's some aspect to hunting that's fun to be with people. You know, I love the social aspect of it. But there's also, I don't know for you, but there's an aspect of being alone and, and doing it by yourself. It was the first bull that I had killed alone. You know, typically you have a caller or somebody mm-hmm. there that's helping you. So it was kind of one of those iconic moments. And I've shot bigger animals. And whenever anybody asks me what animal I'm most proud of or most excited about, I'll, I'll point to it. You know, it's in my house. They're like, well, why not that deer? It's, you know, it's huge. It's 225 inches. Well, I don't know. It just, it, it wasn't, it just was a different experience, you know? Yeah. A lot of it's just the experience. And, oh. you know, you, you, there is something to say about doing a solo trip and like, it was, it was all on you, the success and the failure. Oh, and, and I mean, it's that, that cold morning you can see, you know, you can see the elk's breath. It's 14 yards from you. He bugles and you can see its breath. I mean, it's just like, if I could, you know, until you've done it or, you know, had it with a white tail or whatever it is, it's just, it's so, it's so difficult to explain to somebody why it's so amazing. Because what they hear is that you hunted for 16 days, you had no success, you had blisters, you were cold, you were hungry, it was rainy, it was snow, it was miserable. And every time I explain to somebody why I like hunting that doesn't do it, they're looking at me like I'm an idiot. <laughs> they're like, you took vacation to do that? I get a lot of that too. <laughs> that sounds terrible, you know, and then, the, and you didn't even catch anything, you know, they call it catching. You didn't catch one. I'm like, no, I, I've I've never actually caught anything except when I'm fishing, but um, it, it's hard to explain. I mean, I'm glad I don't have to explain it to you. You're sitting here like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. Man. Yeah, no, I'll I'll be in meetings in in our marketing department, and then they'll show like clips of elk hunting, and I'm sitting there just wide eyed and jacked, and like <laughs> nobody else like heart rate doesn't raise at all. I'm like. You guys are crazy. You just don't understand this. Get yourself out there and try it once. It's just an absolute experience. Well, and I think that's the thing, you know, it's it's a lot of my, some of my friends, you know, will, oh, I've been to Yellowstone. It doesn't seem like it'd be that hard to shoot an elk, you know. There was, there was huge, <laughs> They're all over the place. Huge you can elk. walk right up to him. <laughs> exactly. He was 20 yards from my truck. How far can you shoot your bow? I'm like, well, further than 20 yards. Well, it doesn't seem like that. It'd be hard. And I'm like... I don't know how to tell you this, but that's not a real animal. Like there's something, mm-hmm. <laughs> time has tainted that animal because oh, that's, that's not how it is. Yeah, that's when I talk to people about turkey hunting too that have never hunted turkeys, but they see them on the side of the road all the time where they have to stop for them. And it's like, how does how is it difficult to shoot that bird? It's like, well, try going into the woods where they're hanging out. And, uh, oh, yeah. and it's a little bit different. Well, it's because they know they're in their world of of protection right like now they're now they're watching out for their own safety they're looking for coyotes and foxes and mountain lions and all of these natural predators which is also you now if you're in your car i think they've just been conditioned i don't know it's so hard to explain to people but i'm like i swear to you they know and they know i don't know what's what date does turkey season open around here 
oh, you know, it's it's like mid-April. If it's April 14th that it starts, they know that. I swear to you. April 13th, you can walk up to them and feed them corn. And then the 14th, it's like something switches in their head. And, and they they recognize you as more of a predator. And mm-hmm. and they, I don't know if it's, if it's some sort of body, I, but they figure it out. I swear to you, they do. Yeah, it's just so, well, I mean, they they live out in the wild every day. I mean, they got to determine every day what's a threat and what isn't. So they've seen enough cars driving by, and they've never been killed unless they were stupid enough to stop on the road while one's going real fast. But, you know, you, you, you kind of develop a level of understanding, like, this is not a threat. You know, you, yep. get, you get a hunter start squawking in a way that they've never heard before and moving around in the woods it's like okay this is different this is something i haven't experienced well and i think that's that's part of the appeal right is is as i explain people my love for hunting it's you've had to learn your there's a respect between animal and hunter you know it's like it's like the predator and prey relationship and they i feel like they respect you know your effort <laughs> And you learn to respect those animals so much, you know, the turkey's ability to, to hear, you know, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, they can't smell, but their sight, I mean, holy cow, they'll, they'll pick you out of nowhere. I mean, they know, and in so many ways, you know, I'm not much of a turkey hunter, but deer and elk have every advantage over the hunter, better eyesight, better hearing. They're faster. I mean, try to run and keep up with a deer. You can't do Good it. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I mean, their sense of smell. I mean, our sense of smell is so poor compared to an animal. Um, bears, incredible nose, incredible ability to smell. I mean, that's their main, their main, the main way they stay safe from predators is is just putting their nose in the air. And I think when you start spending time in the woods and start really getting that respect and understanding for the animal, that's when you know, hunting becomes such a passion and the love for those animals that you're pursuing is so strong because you know the challenge, the challenge of having success. Boy, you're, you're not going to, if you get lucky your first year out hunting and get something the first weekend, great. It's not going to happen next year. You know, the amount of time you put in to find that success, it, to me, it's, it's, it's what makes the reward so awesome when you fill your freezer with, you know, a hundred pounds of fresh elk meat and you can have family and friends over for steak and know that, you know, you provided that meal due to thousands of hours and stupid amounts of money <laughs> yeah. for your setup. Um, but it's that reward, I think, that has gotten so many people into the sport and the challenge of it. That, that when people get involved, whether you've never archery hunted before or whether you're a seasoned archer, when when you go out and experience it, I think until you do, it's hard to explain. Once you do, most people are pretty hooked. Absolutely. I'll agree with that 100%. So, Tyson, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, look forward to hearing what you have to say in the in your seminars as well here. Appreciate it, Mike. It was a pleasure. All right. Best of luck this season. Thanks.